pages. Um, Lord, uh, we just thank you. Uh, we love you. Um, thank you that you're here. I ask that you would speak through me, that you would um, just, just enlighten our hearts. We live by uh, your revelation. We live by you are our source. You are our strength. You are everything uh, in all things. And Lord, I just ask that you would take us um, forward today, as the song said, that you would uh, really come. We really invite, I really invite you, Lord. Not just because we say that, but I really invite you to come and have your way and to speak and um, uh, to reign, Lord, in your name. Amen. Uh, yeah, something, a side note. Um, uh, I'm going to put the responsibility for this back on you guys. So I think something that I realized a long time ago when I was sitting uh, in where you guys are sitting, which I do all the time, um, is that uh, what's going on when someone is up here, like, you know, teaching or, or preaching, is really a, it's a three-way communication. You have the person speaking and giving information, and then you have your, your spirit, of yourself, then you have God. And, and oftentimes, he's highlighting stuff to you while someone is saying something. And, and I'm sure you've all sat through where, like, the main thing that you're getting as a message is nothing to do with the person's talking about, but it's so good. And, uh, and that's a good thing. Like, I just really encourage you that, that actually you're the ones responsible, or we are all the ones responsible for getting something out of the message. And even if someone's preaching something I disagree with, I get encouraged by it because I think about what, I, what the truth is, you know, or what I think the truth is. And I encourage myself in the midst of disagreeing with what the person is saying. Like, but but um, that's the way that it's meant to be. And uh, uh, so I just want to... I don't want to throw that out there. I've probably wanted to say that for 10 years at some point, and there I go. Um, okay, so I'm going to read a verse in Luke 11. Uh, this is Luke 11:34 through 36. So it says, uh, this is New Living Translation. I'm totally rebelling against Dave right now, and, the New, and uh, New King James, which is also a great translation. Uh, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. This is Jesus saying this. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is bad, your body is filled with darkness. Uh, make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. Luke. If you are filled with light with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. Um, some translations make it somewhere like you are the floodlight, but it says you'll be radiant, so it's basically the same thing. It's like a floodlight is in you, and the floodlight is shining out of you. Um, so uh, I'm going to read that again, but I'm going to take the metaphor out of it. Um, and it says, uh, so, your, uh, so I think that everything light here is truth, okay? Um, so the, the truth that you have, or your perspective, um, so, you, so the truth that you have, uh, or the way you see things, provides truth for your soul. When your perspective is good, your whole soul is filled with the truth. But when it is bad, when your perspective is bad, your soul is filled with lies, or with darkness, with, with deception, is a good word there. Go ahead, go to 35. Make sure that the truth you think you have is not actually deception. If you are filled with truth, with no deception in any of the corners, then your whole life will be radiant or shining with truth uh, as though a floodlight were filling you with truth. So he is referencing the Pharisees here, and he's basically saying that, as you guys know, the Pharisees got the harshest rebuke from Jesus because they thought they had the truth. They were the ones most confident in themselves. And um, what I'm going to share... over the next, you know, over length of time, is really something that um, it's, it's kind of where I'm at right now because I went through a time in my life where I was really, you know, Dave mentioned, you know, him and I were going through some struggles together, and um, and and one of the things that really brought healing to my life was this verse right here, this these three verses, because I, I began to realize that there were some things that I th- thought were true that were not true. I was like the Pharisees, but luckily I was. God was turning the light on, and he was shining the light in there. And some of the dark corners, and I don't claim to have no dark corners. That'll be awesome when that time comes. But uh, some of the dark corners got lit up, and what that brought, that brought freedom, and that's what brought me out of some of the struggles that I was going through. And some of just the, 
you know, things were off, you know, and you're thinking, God, what's, what did I do? Or, or what did you do? What's going on? Why are you doing this? You know, and, and bottom line is, it really was me. Like, I was thinking things and believing things that weren't true. I had what I thought was light that was actually deception. And it's amazing how much that can mess you up. And, um, and so everything I'm going to say, I'm going to kind of cast in the light of this verse that um, when you have the truth, uh, you, you have everything in a sense. So I'm going to basically, uh, I have three parts to my little uh, message or uh, act or play, whatever you want to call it. So part one, and I'm going to use this. Part one is called, because I'm probably going to reference back to it. Hmm, you probably can't read that. We'll see. I should use the other, other marker. Uh, Obed, can you read that? <laughs> Someone else in the back. Mario, can you read that? Okay, sweet. Okay, so part one is called The Story is Everything. Um, so Jesus says in, uh, so we read that verse, and then Jesus says in John 8.32 that you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free, right? So I want to start by saying that the truth is of utmost importance. It's maybe the most important thing. Um, so, for example, let's say right now I have a, um, my wife and I know a couple that are going through some marital problems. I think they've been married, and the details don't really matter, um, but I think it's been like two years they've been married and things have been going well and now all of a sudden things are going really poorly and the husband is not acting like a good husband at all in a lot of areas. And our hearts really hurt for this woman. Um, the, the story behind it is that uh, this husband is from another country and did not, is not a citizen. And so um, he's right around the time or just got his citizenship, right? And now all of a sudden the marriage is falling apart. And we hope that he wasn't just marrying this girl for papers so he could get citizenship, right? That would be really sad. But that is, a, that is a legitimate concern by the way things are going right now, that he was, this was all a farce so that he could get his papers and get citizenship. So this is an example of if you, don't, if you think you have the truth, but you don't, you don't have what you thought you had. Does that make sense? So this woman, again, I'm hoping for the best, but it's just an example for now. Um, she thought she had something real, right? She thought that she had a real relationship, a real marriage, but really it was, it was false. Why? Because she didn't have the truth. And when you don't have the truth, um, you would feel like you're wasting your time or like you don't have what you have. Uh, I worked in a company for a couple years, um, and it was one of those things where the further I got along in the company, the more I realized that some of the things I had been told weren't true. And the awesome thing about God is that even though... Um, there were some things that, that the human eye would say that it was a waste of time. Um, God, you know, all things work to the good of those uh, he has called. And so God works that into good. He worked it into good in my life. But the reality is that had I known everything about that company, I would not have gone on board there. And so I spent, you know, two years of my life with this company um, and a big part of it was I didn't have, there were things that I just didn't, they basically lied to me. Like, there are things that were not true, that they told me were true. And you see my point that if I ha- when you have the truth, there's a reason they have consumer report, right? So if you're going to make a purchase, right, you want, you want to do as much research as you can, right? You're going to go get the papers on the auto. You're going to you know, do as much research as you can. You're gonna, you want to know that I'm making a good decision here. So the truth is super important because the truth is what we live by, right? And the, the closer we are to the truth, you know, I... Um, you would think that the closer we can live to reality, the closer we can make good decisions, all that. So um, the, the truth empowers us in the sense that I just mentioned, um, and the truth also makes us responsible. There is a sense where, where uh, ignorance is bliss, because once you know the truth about something, you are responsible for that truth now, right? And there are times where, ah, oh, dang it, I wish I didn't know that, because now I need to do something about it, kind of thing. Um, and so real quick... This is one of those things I'm just going to gloss over. Um, so this, I'm drawing this to give you a real like, general idea of how we're meant to live. So this is your spirit in your core. This is your will, your, your, your volition. This is your, um, uh, your intellect or your thoughts. This is your emotions or your feelings. And then this would be your body. Okay? 
Now, obviously, looking around, you don't actually look just like that. But there's a lot of truth to this, okay? So, uh, okay. So, the way you're meant to live is you're meant to have the truth, a relationship with the truth in your spirit, okay? You're meant to make your choices based on truth. Your thoughts follow what you choose to think. Your emotions follow your thoughts. And your actions follow. This is alignment, right? You live inside out. When you don't have truth, you will live outside in. When you don't have truth, you will live by what you feel like doing in the moment. It may be what your body craves. You don't have, if you want to explain what it does mean, like a fallen world, a fallen human, a fallen person is literally into, fell, falled into themselves and live outside in. I mean, a broken person is like a, a coke addict, right? When, the, when it's time, they, they don't want it, they don't want it, they don't want to do it, but they're doing it, right? Because their body is number one. And you also, we know emotional people, and okay, so I don't mean to preach a sermon on this, but the point is that without truth, you will live outside in. It is only when you have truth that you can live inside out, okay? So truth is super, super important. All right, um, so uh, the next part of part one, the story is everything, is that um, the truth is story, okay? So what I mean by that is that uh, reality what is, exists in story. You've all heard the kind of, I mean, I've heard it so much and it's almost corny, but it's so true. His story is his story, right? History is his story. So reality itself exists in story. Reality does, no, no truth is an island. Um, if you have a story uh, and you pull something out of the story and put a capital letter and a period on it, you have, you have made, it, made it less true because it is no longer in its context of the story. So, another way of saying it is that reality exists, or reality is, only in dynamic with the rest of reality. Or truth, truth exists only in dynamic relationship with other truth. So, uh, you know, you can pull anything out. Like, let's say I pull out, we were singing the song this morning that said, um, uh, if God is for us, who can be against us, right? If God is with us, if God is with us. Now, that story, that, that truth is at its most true in the context of Romans 8, right? Like in the context of where we pull out and in the context of the story that God is with us. What does that mean? What does it mean God is with us? Because you all know that you can take that and use it in inappropriate ways, right? Like ways that are not true. So if I say God is with us, who can stand against us? And I just apply that to whatever I want. It's not as true as if I apply it in context to the story that it really is. And we make this mistake all the time, but... The, so, because I really want us to begin to see reality in, through the lens of story. It is a story. You're living in the story. And anytime you say, anytime you, if someone says like, you know, tell me like the, the top ten truths you live by. I just stop them right there. I said, there's no such thing as truths. Like, it's truth. The story, what really happened, happened. What is, is. And I want, it's all integrated. And so, um, uh, I'm all for principles, I'm all for truths, but they exist within the context of the story. Okay, so the truth is a story, is uh, uh, the next thing. And then, um, therefore, so if we started with the story is everything, um, we, I'm sorry, we started with the truth is everything, the truth is everything, the truth is a story, that means the story is everything. Okay, the story, the truth is everything, but it exists in story. So, um, the... Uh, uh, as you know, if you're reading scripture and you want to understand what a verse means, what, what's the first thing you do? If someone says, Dave, what does Romans 1.16 mean? Actually, that's one you probably have memorized. So that's not a good one. What does Romans 15.4 mean? You don't know that one, do you? Uh, I don't either. <laughs> I don't either. So Romans 15.4, what does it mean, right? What's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to say, what's around it? What are the verses before it? What's the verses after it, right? And if you, and you, and you want to go even further, you're going to say, okay, what's the chapter before it? What's the chapter after it, right? And you want to go even further, you're going to say, okay, who was writing it? And where were they? And who were they writing to, right? The bigger context you get, the better you understand the minute, okay? So, um, so context is everything. Uh, another example... If take a, uh, a situation, okay? So, Vera walks in and, and the boys are fighting, right? And something's been going on, something's been, you know, and, and she catches a, a tidbit of it, right? Um, and someone comes up and someone's like, ah, this, 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 right? Or, you know, any of us as kids, you hear the first line or you come in in the middle, right? So, in order to interpret what you just saw or heard, what do you need? 
the rest of the story. Right? You need the rest of the story. You need the context to see it. Um, last example is, uh, um, anybody here ever watched Lost? Okay. So, I don't know what season it was in. Fourth or fifth season, I turned it on, and uh, I, I started to watch an episode. And I turned it off. Because I was lost. Uh, that's good. So, so I didn't get it. It wasn't that entertaining to me. I was not a big fan of it, and I never watched it again. But is it because it wasn't good? No, it's because I didn't have, I didn't know the whole story, right? I didn't know the whole story. So you have to, the better you see the big picture, the better you see the small picture, okay? Um, so, so the story is everything, and the story is everything because you can only interpret anything to the degree you understand, the bigger, the better you understand the big story, the better you're going to understand all the little parts of the story, okay? And I'll end this, this part with, with this idea here that, I mean, who here wants to know, wants to understand their calling, right? They want to, you know, they want God to like, God, what am I supposed to do? Or, or understand what they're supposed to do, right? You can only under, you will only understand your story to the degree that you understand the, the story that you're in. Like, people are trying to understand and figure out their story, but it only will make sense in the context of the big story, okay? So, uh, we'll get back. The application obviously would be if you look at, get into, dig into the big story, the story, your story will surface. You'll begin to see your story in a proper context, in a real light. You'll begin to see it according to the way it really is. Okay. So, um, uh, cool. We are going to go to part two. Okay, so part two is the bad news, sort of. All right, Mara, you want to read that? Yes, or us. I should put us. Me too. Okay, the story will break us. Um, so, if anyone here has ever known anyone who's told a lie, uh, you probably saw that when they told this lie, it led to another lie because of the fact that Reality itself exists in dynamic relationship with the rest of reality, meaning you've got to tell another lie to cover up the lie you told, because it's all connected, right? Like, you can't, you, sometimes you can get away with a lie that's not, that no one ever connects, and you don't have to cover it up, but oftentimes if you tell a lie, you have to tell another lie to cover that up in order to make that lie make sense, and you've got to tell another lie. And then to make both those lies make sense, you've got to make another lie. And, uh, you know, being a server, I've worked around people that are trying to maintain multiple relationships at once. And it's just so funny watching them stress out over, like, maintaining all their lives, like, all these different places, you know, like, who they text what, and, and it's all, like, they're just, like, juggling all these, these lies. Um, so that's kind of a severe uh, example. But, so, but you guys get that, right? That when you, when you have a lie, it's going to lead to more lies. And that's because reality is integrated. It's one story, okay? So... Um, the cool thing is, is that the truth works the same exact way, okay? So we know that a lot of, that we live in a fallen world, okay? So you could say that the truth fights an uphill battle because we live in a fallen world, okay? Um, so the truth works the exact same way that the lie does, meaning if, you, if, you're living in, in, if you're living and the truth shines in an area of your life, by default, it will affect other areas of your life. It can't, it's not going to just shine in that exact area, and that's it. So if, to give you an example of this, uh, before I give you an example, I'll give you the problem with this. The problem is this. The truth shines in on us in a certain area, and it brings light to that area. And that, because everything's connected, means something for everything else. That influence, that, that, what, what you just learned there means this is different, which means this is different, because it's all connected, okay? Here's the problem. There are areas that it shines on that we are either really used to, or we like, right? We don't want them to change. Like, so an example of this, and I could, we could come up with hundreds of examples right now, but take um, materialism 
and the idea that Jesus is coming back. Okay? Those two things do not jive together. Right? So if you're materialistic and you're very into the things of this world and the material things of this world, and you're often thinking about uh, what you're going to buy, and that's just a big thing for you, right? And then you get a revelation that, oh my goodness, he's coming back. He's coming back for me. Like, this is such a short time period. This is, and this begins to shine on this area, and you get excited. Oh my goodness, Jesus is coming back. Guess what? That doesn't just, it's not like that truth is not an island either. So that means that materialism Hmm, that doesn't make as much sense anymore, right? Like, I can't, it doesn't, no, that's not, that, that, I was fine with it before, ignorance is bliss, but now in the light of this truth, that really can't stay there, okay? And so, uh, what happens is, one or the other is going to win, all right? Um, and uh, let me try to think of uh, another example real quick. So, let's say forgiveness, okay? So, let's say there's somebody in your life that you really like to not like, Right? You really like to not like this person. And, you know, we all like feeling. We all like emotion, even when it's a negative. So sometimes we hold on to it. Um, and so you have somebody that you really, you know, don't want to forgive or just, you know, uh, and that's kind of like, it's a part of your life, right? And then you get the revelation that you're forgiven. That, like, and I, when I say revelation you're forgiven, I mean, like, from the Holy Spirit to your spirit. I mean, the kind where, you know, like, bam, lights turned on, I'm forgiven, right? All of a sudden, uh, you can't hold this unforgiveness like you could before because you got truth in a certain area of your life. And guess what? It affects everything. And I could have kept going. Like, once you forgive that person, that's going to, I mean, that affects, it's, again, everything is connected. But so you get this, this light in your heart on, on Jesus' forgiveness for you, and all of a sudden you can't hold this unforgiveness anymore. It's interesting. There's that verse where Jesus says, if you don't forgive, you're not going to be forgiven. I never I didn't think of that when I was preparing this, but makes a lot of practical sense of why it literally doesn't work. Because you can't really accept this light and not accept the light over here. Because if you deny forgiving this person, you, by the reality that it's all connected, are denying his forgiveness. So before I thought it was just Jesus' choice, but now I realize it's just a practical reality. That if you don't forgive somebody over here, you are, because it's related, you're, you're not accepting his forgiveness. Okay? Um, and this is why it's so important to see reality in the context of integrated story. So, um, uh, but here's the, here's the catch. Because we don't see reality this way, because we see reality as you know, a bunch of segmented truths, okay, we, get, uh, we cheat, we get our way out. Because in reality, one of these should die. Either um, materialism should die, or your excitement about Jesus' return should die. They can't both coexist. But because we have segmented reality, we actually allow them to both coexist. We will be materialistic and we will, the, the reality of Jesus coming back gets moved into mental acknowledgement. Does that make sense? So as a Christian, of course you mentally acknowledge, of course you believe that he's coming back, but only one of those realities is really going to be core to your soul. And so, but because we don't recognize that it's all connected, we are actually perfectly okay with a with both of those going on. And we end up powerless in a sense and disintegrated people because we are accepting a bunch of things that don't jive together uh, because we want to hold on to some things and yet we can't deny certain things on the other hand. Okay, so uh, here is what that will look like oftentimes. So we, as we, we really want to, uh, a lot of like uh, believers... Um, you know, including myself, uh, will um, see things this way. So their life is made up like this. So this is uh, school. This is work. This is family. This is friends. This is a hobby. I don't know. I'm making this stuff up. But okay, and they're like, you know what? But you know what? The biggest and the centerpiece is is God. Okay, and this right here is my life. God is the biggest circle and is at the center of my life. I could preach a message on this and most of you would be like, yes, that's right, that's awesome. Okay, but, and that's what I grew up with, that understanding. But uh, that's the way you see it when you, that's what you'll fall into if you kind of see reality as a bunch of segmented pieces. But the truth is, it's one story and 
I'm going to call it God's life, but it would be more accurate to call it God's story, or maybe equally accurate to call it God's story. And you know what? My entire life is a piece of that. My life. That is the reality of what it really is. That my whole story is caught up in his story. That all that I am, every little thing. So, um, you know, my language would change. Like I'm no longer... uh, If I, when my paradigm switches to this, it's not, you know, I don't, churches on Sunday mornings, you know what I mean? Ministry isn't going on a missions trip. Uh, Tithe, right? It isn't God's money and my money. All my resources, all of my resources, all of my life is a part of his story. It all goes to his story, okay? So, um, so the reason this is called, make sure I'm not missing anything. Um, The reason that this, uh, I called this part, the story will break you, is, you know, Jesus said, um, unless, I think it's Matthew 16, 24, I don't know if I put it on there, but that if you're going to follow me, you have to take up your cross daily, right, and deny yourself. So in order to go from this to this, and I'm going to say one other thing on here real quick. I hear a lot of talk about um, breakthrough, getting my breakthrough, and I don't want to undermine that because God is your breakthrough, and he has breakthrough for you. But um, we oftentimes take, when we live this way, we take the truths, again, I'm using language I don't like, but we take the truths of God or the principles we learn on a Sunday morning and we apply them to our life, okay? And, and, and God really becomes a tool to make our life better because it's all about our life. And we get frustrated when it doesn't work. So take finance, financial provision, right? The Lord is my shepherd. So yet the Lord is my shepherd, okay? You meditate, you, you, you go in on Sunday morning, Dave preaches often, the Lord is your shepherd. He's your shepherd. God himself, the creator, is your shepherd. The shepherd cares for the flock. He's, he's so much smarter than the flock. He, leads, he knows what's best for the flock. He wants what's best for the flock. I can, you know, we preach a message on God is your shepherd, right? And then you go home, and because we live in this paradigm, we apply that to all the areas of our life. God's going to pay for my school. God's going to uh, get me out of debt. God's going to... Now, again, I don't mean to undermine that because there is an element of truth to that. I'm not saying that that's like false, that you shouldn't expect, believe God through breakthrough. But what I'm saying is, when you switch to this paradigm, half of your issues aren't even issues anymore. They really aren't. Half of your concerns aren't even... And here's the other thing that happens. You run into a wall, and you run into a financial difficulty right after a message on God as my shepherd. And here's what we do. Instead of... Instead of pressing into the story and saying, okay, what am I not getting here? And pressing in, because what God will do is he'll, he will redefine what that means that he's your shepherd. He'll tell you what that means, okay? And he'll bring it alive in your heart. And what it's going to do is it can, it's gonna, you're going to clash with some things that you think about him. You're going to clash with some, with some self. There's some self in there that his revelation is going to clash with, okay? And, and you know what? You're going to change, and it's going to change you. But most people, they get, that instead of wrestling with God as my shepherd, they just move to the next thing. Or they just, they get discouraged. Oh, it must not be true. Something's not working. Something's not right. They get discouraged. And instead of believing God and pressing in to the reality of his word and letting God define what that means and letting God bring that, they get, they get discouraged. And, and we do, and I'm, a, I'm as guilty as everybody else, but we do end up um, in America our Christianity is all about our story. Like, we get obsessed with how we're doing. How are you doing with God? You know, it's just, we just, we tend to get obsessed with ourselves. And um, a big part of 11, Luke 11, 34 to 36 was just realizing, man, I was really frustrated because things weren't going, it was, I was just really self-focused. I was just, you know, I was in Bible college and going to the mission, you know, the, the mission field, which is everywhere in all of us. Again, when you see it, your whole life is part of God's story. It changes what you think and see. But, I was, I was so focused on self, so focused, and it just began to break that down in me as I, as I knew he was true, and I knew I had experiences with him that I could not deny, solid, could not deny, and yet nothing was working. But as you continue to press through, what he does, he says, oh, guess what? All that self in there, I'm going to strain that out, okay? And so the reason the story will break you is because there's got to be a lot of death that happens. If you're really going to be that light with no dark corners, the stuff that's dark corners has to die. 
And that is the hard part. That's the breaking part, is that stuff, that dark corner is dying because we're used to it, either from habit or we like it. Okay? These outer areas of ourselves, they like it. And you know what we call it? We call it strongholds. Right? We call it strongholds. So, um, uh, um, I'm going to one more thing in there, but I can't think. Oh, yeah. So, uh, here's the cool thing. I realized that, this, while I was in worship this morning, that love and death coexist. Love and death go, go together. Is anybody here married? Okay, then you should know that death and love work together. And I mean that in a completely positive way, okay? There are, when you are married, you, you die to yourself. You die to some things, okay? You die, but, but the fruit of that death on the other side of death is something that single people crave, okay? It's that, it's that, that oneness, that genuine love. When you're truly loving somebody else and, and you're truly loved by them and, and it's the death that produces that, okay? So, so there is a lot of death. And if you really put your eyes on the story and let the story uh, begin to work you. Let, remember I said that context is everything and when you get the big picture, uh, you begin to understand your picture better. Well, that's going to mess with you. That's going to mess with some stuff that has to die. So if you, but when you look at the story and you begin to, your life begins to be reinterpreted by the reality of the story, you will run into things that have to die in you. Okay? But that death is okay. Death is a good thing because it paves the way for love. Now, part three. Okay. All right, Mario, you want to read that? It's so worth it. I promise. Okay. So, love is awesome. Thanks to Kung Fu Panda, awesome is back, right? Awesomeness. Love has the most awesomeness. Love is, uh, I think you would all agree that love is the best part of your life. That you, that it's the best part of your life. In fact, the greatest feeling in the world, I'm sorry, the second greatest feeling in the world is to be loved. When you are just truly loved, that's probably the second greatest feeling in the world. And the greatest feeling in the world is probably when you truly love, right? When you felt that, whether it's for a child or another human or for God or from God, when you feel that love, it is what you're meant for. It is what you're created for. Love is awesome, okay? It really, really is. Um, you know, my definition of love is that it's the opposite and you don't want to define things by opposite, but I'll try to do a better job. It's the opposite of, um, of uh, selfishness. Well, I think of, a, of selfishness as a vacuum. You're just, cons- you're just a vacuum. It's all about you. And love is it's a blower. It's a guy walking down just blowing out. And you're just constantly blowing out for others. And if it's for one person, it's for everybody. Love is that constant desire for the best for the other person. I mean, it's so freeing. I mean, you don't want to talk about freedom. Love has got to be the most freeing thing in the world. Love is genuinely what it's all about. So here's the cool thing. The foundation of the story, the foundation of reality itself, is him, okay, is God. Before he started the part of the story that we know, it was him. And guess what? 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love. So the foundation of it all, the foundational element of reality, is love. That is awesome. Like, the other day I was thinking, like, we're so lucky. Like, it doesn't have to be love. Why is it love? It is love. The foundation of reality itself is is him, and he is love. What if, it, what if it was something else? And I was like playing these scenarios through my mind. I was like, it's, we have it really, really good. That's so cool that the ultimate foundational element of reality, and you guys know that life is all about relationships, right? And is love. Um, so I just think that that's, that's amazing. And, and so God is love, and God's whole goal with this whole story is to increase love. To increase his love, right? It's to bring us in to the best thing ever. To literally take our lives wherever we're at and to bring it and to increase his love. You know, why did he do the whole thing? I mean, it's, there's, there's a lot of reasons, but it's more of himself, more love, right? If, if his glory is who he is and he created us in his image and he is love, 
He just wants more of it. So, and the amazing thing is that the story that, that we're in is the greatest story ever. The story that he, um, the way that he decided to do this, of, uh, which is all about Jesus, and it says that uh, everything was made for him, by him, and through him, probably like three or four or ten times in the New Testament. Um, the story is better than any story ever. Um, a way of saying, his method of increasing his love is through the best love story ever told. Uh, you have a divine one. You have the divine one, right? Has a has a crush on you, like, um, uh, you know. We start we start here. We go down here, and we're basically cursed, right? I mean, we're cursed. We're separated from him. We're we've sided with rebellion. We're um, and then he rescues us. He literally dies for us. I mean, think of... So remember I said death and love go together? So Jesus dies for us, okay, to show us his love for us, rescues us, uh, marries us, and we live with him forever. So um, uh, it is the most profound, amazing story ever told. And his story, that is your story. If I was to ask someone to come up here and say, okay, so tell us your story, you're probably going to be like, um, uh, you know, I have uh, three kids and uh, I work, I'm a server at night and I, uh, I'm working on my own business during the day and I live in San Dimas and, you know, you can tell your story, right? But imagine if someone said, hey, what's your story? And you're like, well, so God and I kind of have this thing. And, uh, man, I mean, that's, I guess that's really the main thing. Um, you know, he's, I'm waiting for him to come back, and uh, he's already totally transformed me on the inside. And, 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 but you realize that is your story. Like, the story, the big story from beginning to end, that's your story. And as you begin to look at it, trust me, all the stuff, all the death that has to happen is so worth it. It's so worth it. Like, you begin to see his story, and it will uh, suck. It will suck you in. Um, and, and, and so my challenge to all of us is this. It's what story are you obsessed with? What story are you mesmerized with? And I think that oftentimes, you know, there's a lot of lies. There's a lot of deceptive stories being told. Okay, I could talk about materialism. I could talk about chance, that everything is just by chance, and, you know, faith. I could talk about, you know, so many different lies that are out there. Okay, and these lies keep religion, okay? Like you have to earn your way to God, right? That's a, that's a bad one. It's a big lie, okay? And all these deceptions are false stories that people are living in, living in false stories. And, and um, the, the, the true story is, is absolutely amazing. But I think sometimes the story that gets in the way the most is our story. Like we get obsessed with our story. We're obsessed with, again, how we're doing, what, you know, what's going on in our life. And it's just, it's all our world. And, and, uh, we sort of Christianized it by, you know, by, by what we mentally acknowledge as truth. But um, uh, I would challenge you that to become obsessed with the big story, to, be, to become mesmerized by that story, to get wrapped up in that story. Um, you know, we've all gotten into, um, you know, we all, we all, anyone, anyone here not watch movies? Okay, everybody watches movies. You get into a movie, right? You get wrapped up in that story. You know, I watch, my, my wife gets more wrapped up than I do. She'll be like squeezing my legs, digging her nails, and they're like, stop, you know? Uh, you ever been in a theater, and it's like an intense moment, and some kid stands up and says, like, jump! You know, and you're like, everyone, like, and then it like takes everyone out of the movie for a second, because that kid just stood up and yelled, jump, to the guy in the fence. It's, I was watching Jurassic Park forever ago, and um, he's climbing the fence and turning all the things on, and this 10-year-old just stands up and yells at the screen, jump! It's hilarious, right? But point is, he's wrapped up in the story. Like, he's just lost in the story. And the story, that, um, the story that is your story, the story that you are in right now, every single mystery that you've ever watched, the best mystery stories ever written, 
okay? I, I was thinking that, you know, the, at the end of six, the sixth sense, you're just like, unless you already knew, you're like, oh my goodness, no way, right? You guys know the sixth sense, like he's dead the whole, dead the whole time? You're like, no way, he's dead the whole time. Like, no way. Well, guess what? This story has more of those moments in it. I get, I'm telling you, you get wrapped up in the story every week. You should have at least three of them. No way. Oh, oh my goodness. It's better than I thought, you know? And, and, and it really is. Every mystery story that's ever been written finds its root is only based on the real mystery. Paul calls the gospel the mystery that is now revealed. Jesus is the revelation of God. Okay? He is the revelation of the mystery. He is the mystery. Um, every, so every, every mystery story ever written, okay? Every uh, superhero story, big right now, ever written, none of them compared to what Jesus has done. Not a single one of those movies, no matter how great and amazing that superhero is. They, honestly, I'm not even saying this to like, I don't even mean this in a cheesy way. I mean in an extremely literal way. None of them accomplished and have done what Jesus literally did. None of them are as powerful. None of them are as great. I mean, Superman comes from another planet. He's got all these powers, right? But he didn't make the planet. He didn't make the universe. Like, I'm, I'm serious. Every superhero movie, why do we have those ideas? They're rooted in the real story. They're rooted in the real superhero. Okay? That's kind of story. That's this man... So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to encourage you to get obsessed with the story, but the other thing to do is get obsessed with the characters. Just look into who they are. I mean, you can just start at the beginning and begin to think about who this God is. You know what that does? That makes the marriage paradigm a whole lot better. Okay? When you don't know who Jesus is, the fact that you're married to him is kind of weird, right? But you begin to know who he is, and, oh my goodness, it comes alive, right? It comes alive. So I said about superhero movies. Every, the best romance movies ever, okay, the most romantic love stories that have ever been turned into movies. I've never seen Gone with the Wind, but I know that ladies love it, okay? Um, every love story ever written, literally, find, where, where does that come from? Why can we think like that? Why do we come with those ideas? Because it's just a, a, a shadow of the real love story, okay? And it, and it really is. And so, and I'm not going to go on and on about the story right now because it's something that you have to, I, ch- I encourage you to dive into, to dive into uh, this story. Um, I'll end with this. So, um, I, God showed me this a long time ago, but I really struggled with trying to do this, to really trying to, my whole life, be completely his and all for him, where it's one life fully integrated. It's not like I'm living for myself sometimes and for God sometimes. You know, it's not like certain activities are, are for him and are kingdom-oriented and some aren't. Everything, everything is his. Everything, every, my whole life is part of his story, and it's, my whole life is retelling and is, is, is shining, the real story. Um, and uh, uh, because I, I, I understood the concept, and I was just trying to do it. And I was really trying to do it in my own strength. And I just, I mean, I just wasn't even close. Um, and uh, I re- God showed me something just a couple months ago that when you get caught up in the story, when you get caught up in his love and how much he loves you, that lifts everything else up into that love. So he basically showed me, look, the more you get this story, the more you get how much I love you, the more everything you do for me will be actually out of love and not out of trying to do it right or trying to get the truth or striving or, you know, going for it, all those things. And so um, the only thing that I think that will empower you to actually live this way is to get lost in the story and to get lost. Uh, I mean, it's, one of, it's so good that sometimes it's like you have, to, you have to make sure you don't fall into too good to be true. Like you just you have to believe it anyway and press in because it's it is it, it is too good to be true. Um, so I just want to leave you guys with those three things, I guess, and that it's so worth it. And that um, yeah, Dave, come up and close us out. But um, that uh, um, to really uh, look at the story and look at it again and look at it again and uh, keep fixing your eyes on the story because it is. It's worth dying for. Yeah. That's a good word, huh? It's good. Wait, stay up here. We'll, we'll pray. Oh, okay. We'll pray together. I don't know how to do this part. Yeah, he's just kidding. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do it together. Yeah. Did, did you, you catch some things, huh? Doesn't that help explain a lot of my, what, 
what goes on in your life or other people's lives, in our culture, why we can have so many people who say they're Christians, but why is the church declining in America? Why don't we see the power of God? Why, don't, why do our kids leave church when they get older? Well, it's right there, isn't it? No. How is it that you can have religious people, right? Like, who get so obsessed about his coming that they say the date of his coming and then they're wrong. And we say, why? Why? Why, why is that, Lord? And we get mad or we get, feel bad for them. Why? Well, they took it out of context. Mm-hmm. Totally. Right? When you make something that's not, was supposed to, was not meant to be this focal point, you know, the date or whatever, becomes the focal point. And we live so disintegrated, don't we? We, we can say something about hell and yet not be motivated to go and reach people who are going there. How can that be, right? And that's what Clint's, that, that's what Clint's confronting. Yeah, I'm saying truth. I'm quoting somebody here, but the, the, there's a verse in the Old Testament where it says line upon line and precept upon yeah. precept. And yeah. that, um, you know, are we meant to focus on Jesus' return? Yeah. Is figuring out the date meant to surpass our craving for Jesus himself? Absolutely not, and that's where people, and that's where, like you're saying, that's where they get, that's where they get messed up. Is that, and that, um, to, I think that the only way to not make something good an idol above something best is to get obsessed with Jesus. I mean, yeah. because he is, if he wasn't the heart of the story, then we'd be obsessed with something else. But he yeah. is the heart of the story. I right. mean, he's he's a storyteller. He's the heart of the story. He, so therefore, he brings context and he brings reality to all of who we are. Yep. So, it explains. A lot of the hypocrisy explains those things. And I think what, what the Lord, it also helps you understand why it is that when someone brings a truth to you and you're living in denial, why you feel so uncomfortable. Right? Why you know something's not right here. We say at New Community, we say we are a community of fully devoted followers of Christ. Why do we say that? Because of this. It's not about being perfect. It's about being wholly given. It's saying, we're not going to make up our own story. This is not about my life. This is about Jesus. Everything was created for Jesus. And when we get caught up in that reality, obsessed with him, I mean, don't you, I don't know about you guys, you're watching Lord of the Rings and you're like, don't want it to end because you're like totally in love with the characters. Well, we're talking about God the main character, right? And everything was created for his son, Jesus, to become obsessed with him. And so to be fully devoted followers, it takes a complete surrender, being wholly given. And it doesn't mean that we're perfect. It means no, no dark corners. It means no denial. No excuses. No separating realities. But saying, when somebody comes to me and says, Dave, I'm telling you, I, Jesus is coming back tomorrow. And I simply will say this. What are you doing about it? I don't quite say it's so gruff. But what, what are we going to do about it? Can we be that kind of church? Does that make sense? Can we be like, just have your way, Lord. Holy given to God, right? This is why worship has to just be giving every, right? This is why we spend time with the Lord so we can get obsessed with Him. This is why we do everything we do. This is, like Clint said, this is why we say, like, we're, we're not, like, you don't just go to church. We are the church, right? We live this out fully. So when you read the Bible and you say, what are we going to do about that? What does that look like? How do we live that? If we're not asking that question, well, right? So, what do you guys think? You want to get more obsessed with Jesus? Amen? Amen? Let's ask the Lord, let's stand up and let's ask the Lord to give us an undivided heart, as King David said, an undivided heart. Let's ask the Lord to ensure in our lives that there's not that disintegrated sense, but we're wholly given to Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just tell him right now. I just want to just encourage you. Open your mouth before the Lord. Just pray quietly, out loud before the Lord and just talk to him about what's going on in your life. Bring things to his attention right now.
bring things into the light. Maybe there's some things you just need to confess before the Lord that you've been hiding. Just tell Him. So Lord, we ask You that You'd give us an undivided heart to fear You. Lord, we ask that we would not be segmented and divided. We ask that we would not be living from the outside in. But we pray that we would be living from the inside out. We'd be in complete alignment, walking in the Spirit, as Clint said. Just begin to ask the Lord that. Begin to ask Him to show you areas where He needs to shine His light onto you, where He needs, where you need truth to set you free from lies. Ask the Lord to give you an undivided heart. I just want to just invite you right now just tell the Lord I surrender to you just talk to him just tell him Lord I surrender to you wholly to you not like I surrender this area to you no I surrender to you the whole thing my whole life it's no longer my life it's your life tell the Lord Jesus you are the Lord of my life tell him I no longer live it's Christ who lives in me tell him I die to myself I live for you just make these confessions before the Lord right now just out loud quietly But just out loud, tell Him, Lord, I surrender. Wholly given to You. 100%, every ounce of my being, every fiber, every moment, every second, every relationship, every thought I think, every desire. Ask Him, transform me by the renewing of my mind. Consume me in Your story. Consume me with Your love. Thank You, Lord. Father, I just ask that You teach us this. Actually, Father, I ask that you would bother us all week, that you would just bother us. And I pray, Father, we'd be ruined for the ordinary. We'd be ruined for the way that the American church does church. I pray we'd be ruined. I see Jesus' life, Lord, and we want to be like that. We see the early church. We see people who are totally obsessed with you who just totally understood you died, you rose, you're coming soon totally caught up in the story consumed in your presence and we simply ask you Lord we, we just want that in every area of our lives Lord. Oh, we call it revival we just ask you Lord have your way have your way in Jesus name Amen